Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. We got some great stuff for you. Jordan Schultz is our guest in the next couple of pods. Jordan, of course, you've seen him on ESPN. Uh, you go back to all the different things he's he's done. And now as the ultimate kind of sports insider, wait to hear what he believes is the next step for him. Plus, what was it like growing up as Howard Schultz's son during the rise of Starbucks in Seattle? And oh, yeah, by the way, during the five years in which his dad owned the Seattle Supersonics. We'll get to all of it upcoming. First, a quick thought on Kevin Durant and the fact that he's going to have to stay in Brooklyn. And look, I, I continue to believe this, that. You got guys that they don't like the way KD has handled things. And that's that's reasonable. Right? It's very reasonable to say, don't love how he's handled it. You know, I thought Barkley went, he went top rope and it's not really called for. Like, look, Barkley wasn't, how it ended in Philadelphia wasn't great. He wanted to be traded. Um, and I love, everybody knows I've loved Charles. We've had him on this pod. Who doesn't, who doesn't love Charles Barkley and his honest commentary? But like, look, he didn't hate it in Oklahoma City. He was just frustrated by the ceiling of that team. Like, why can't we just be honest? It was not a team built for the 21st century of all the shooting. They just didn't have it. Now, they added Victor Oladipo right before he left. And I'm, I'm thinking that team might have been good enough. But it was a team that was built to beat the, the Lakers. Two big guys, right? Two big guys. You had Ibaka and you had, uh, and you had Kendrick Perkins. And then later, Steven Adams as well. So in an era in which teams started playing small ball or playing with one big guy, they had two. They were built to beat the Spurs, built to beat the Lakers, and not built to beat the Warriors. So I think ultimately that caught up with them. And you just didn't have enough quality shooting. Not just Russell Westbrook, but you forget there was Andre Robertson. Before he got hurt, great defender, couldn't shoot at all. You had too many guys that couldn't shoot. So when we look back and we say, hey, he never liked, he loved Oklahoma City. He was a leader there. He had a great seasons there. He led the league in scoring there. But you, he, I think he inherently knew, like, man, I, I just feel like I can't win here. I can't be me. And his goal, he set out and he stated this, was to prove he was the best against the best. And he did that. He was the finals MVP, two consecutive years, matching up with LeBron James, was the better player than LeBron James in both those series. And then when he came back in the NBA finals his third year, but it, it wasn't a great fit. 
And it was one of those, could they make it work? Yeah. But I, I do think that KD knew what he thought was best for him. He made a mistake tying his wagon to Kyrie, but we should also point out that when he tied his ship to Kyrie, even though people thought Kyrie was aloof and hard to deal with, this is way before we got to COVID stuff. There's a lot of weird stuff that took place. So I'm not giving KD a total pass for his behavior, but I do, I understand it, or at least I articulate that I understand it more publicly than, than most people do. That said, like, we still haven't seen what this team looks like whole. He gives Sean Marks the rest of the offseason to fix it, to figure it out, and you see what it looks like. And then if you don't, if you don't win this year and Kyrie's last year, you can't get along. If Steve, Steve Nash can't show that he can be a coach, well, then by all means. But Steve Nash has yet to have a training camp with all three stars competing and playing. Can't put in a system that way. Can't make midseason massive dramatic change and expect to have a system put in. That's just a fact. All right, let's get to Jordan Schultz, who joins us now on the All Ball Podcast. By now, everyone knows who you are. And when they Google, they know who your family is, but they don't actually know you, right? Like that's, you haven't had, I don't feel like you've had the, this is who I am sort of thing. You know, not just playing in college, but growing up. What was your life growing up? Give me a, I'll close my eyes, paint the picture of your childhood at like 10. Childhood at 10? Um, well, I appreciate you having me on the show. Love all ball. Been listening for a long time. And love all the, the, the hoop talks, especially when you get into the West Coast stuff. So this is a real pleasure. Um, my life at 10 was, I think at that point, pretty normal in terms of, you know, I was having very similar experiences as my friends growing up in Seattle. I think for me, when it really changed was probably late middle school, early high school, 14, 15, 16, for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, but I, my parents did a really good job of making sure that my experiences as a kid mirrored my peers. And what I mean by that is it was clear that we were as a family, really blessed. But, you know, if we flew on a plane, they would fly first class. My sister and, and I would fly in the back of the plane. Um, if anytime we did dinners, we always contributed to the cleaning up and the cooking. Um, they're just, they tried to keep it as normal as possible. But I think by default, when Starbucks really exploded in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was coming of age as well. And life got really big at that point. And so things started to change. So, but go back, yeah. for, go back for me r r a little bit though. Okay. So, but in, in its infancy, like when you would describe, Hey, what, what does your dad do? Like, you know, my dad was, runs you know like we actually had a, a family phrase for this because I was so okay. embarrassed by it that I never wanted anybody to know Doug. So the family phrase we came up with really my mom and I came up with was he's in retail. He's in retail. He's, he's in retail. And then if people ask more, we'd say, you know, he does some brick and mortar in the in the Seattle community, and they're trying to expand to the national. That's what we would say. So, did you know? Like, what, did you were you aware of uh, of of when it went from being Seattle based, you yeah. know, to 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 grow? Like, were you aware of these things? And you know, what, what was was your dad? telling you these things or were you listening to conversations yeah, it was a, what was that i think process? i think i became hyper aware of everything because for a couple of reasons one growing up in that environment you're naturally super aware of how everyone else is looking at you so my re reactions to meeting people um for the first time or my i should say my my response to meeting people for the first time was above go above and beyond be respectful um, I just always felt like I was being watched. You know, when, when we had the, when he had the Sonics, which he bought in 01, I think it was, I was 14. So we, we were at these games and on the, on the court. And I felt like the whole arena was looking down and it was, they were looking for me, you know, this is ridiculous. They were looking for me to like make a mistake and someone was going to, was going to see something I did that wasn't super respectful or positive. So I was super hyper aware as a result of what I was, of how I was conducting myself. But, but did he tell you like, Hey, I'm going to buy the Sonic. Yeah. Or I never forget I that conversation. Or did he just walk in one day, go like, Hey kid, Hey Sporto. I, uh, I bought the Sonics. I made the varsity as a freshman, which was a big deal. And what high school in high school. Yeah. Um, what, no, what high school? Oh, university prep. 
So, you know, like, you know, the Seattle preps, O'Day's, Rainer Beaches. Uh, we played all those schools in middle school. But by the time we got to high school, our school was class 1A. Those were all 3As. We were, we were a lot smaller. Um, so you make the, make the high school varsity. Yeah, my dad says to me, um, I think it might have been, it was right around then. Because I remember in my head, like, varsity Sonics. So he comes, i never forget, he picked me up for practice because I couldn't drive yet. And he said on the way home, there's something really important I need to discuss with you. I think it's a good thing, but you're the person that I'm going to talk to first other than mom. And I was so confused. And he says, um, this is going to, he prefaces it by saying, Doug, this is going to change your life and our life forever. And he kind of like beat around the bush because I think he wanted to set it up. That's how he is. And he goes, I think I'm going to buy the Sonics. And I'll never forget, he waited till the, till the second we got into the driveway to tell me. And we were parked in our driveway in Seattle. And, he's, and he tells me that. And I, I was so confused, but so excited. You know, that's every kid's dream. I mean, it, it's not even a dream. It's ridiculous. And he said, what do you think? And obviously, I was all in. And when do I get to meet Gary Payton? That was the first question. When, when do I get to meet GP and Sean Kemp? And is Detlef a nice guy? And he was like, I don't know these guys, but but I was so fired up. So I think for me, being hyper aware of what I was saying earlier, my dad buying the Sonics also was right around when they went to Asia, right, which I think was 2000 or 98. So when they really exploded internationally and the Asian going to Asia and having the, really the whole continent, but especially China explode with starbucks was simultaneous with me coming of age realizing that things were different and then obviously the sonics was like the whole was like the next level fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app search fsr to listen live there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. How do you how do you go through high school like this? Like that's a real question. Okay, I mean, like uh, for people who are are putting this all together, Starbucks is exploding. Your dad owns the Sonics. Seattle's not and a big your town. high school. Ba- 
Seattle's not big. No, like that. not a big, not not a, not a big town. Seattle, but 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 like, you know, I mean, this is, and you have to go to high school and play high school basketball, yeah. and you have Schultz in the back of uh-huh. your of your, well, we your didn't, jersey. We didn't have uh, the names, but but everybody yeah, knows. Yeah, so you're not you're not hiding yeah. hide from anybody. Yeah. everybody. You know what? You ain't, you ain't hide from anybody. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I hate to say it was challenging because it just I just hate saying that. You know, it doesn't, why? Because it, it you don't have any. It's so everything has it, like here's the way of looking at it. It's like we talk about this in sports all the time. It's just as hard to maintain a level of excellence as it is to. It's actually probably easier to get there than it is to stay there. I right? agree. Like yeah. the climb, the climb is kind of the easy part because people are telling yeah. you you can't, and you have that. Then when you do it, everybody tells you how great you are. Now you got to go do it again. So for you, and again, this is not a ladder you climbed. Is ladder your dad climbed? But it's 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 challenging, right? Everybody thinks you're a spoiled rich kid. Everybody has an opinion of you before they even meet you. Yeah, right. They that that's really the hard part. They have an opinion of you before they meet you. And I'm wondering, you know, you're already still a teenager. How'd you handle all that? I um, I really so all my best friends were from kindergarten. There was like four, five of us, kindergarten, maybe first grade, and so I leaned on them a lot. And it was really important to me be, to to have that because I think they were the only ones I trusted. Uh, we all played basketball together. We were kind of like our little own little clique. Um, and I didn't venture very far out from that. When we started playing AAU basketball, it made it a little bit more difficult because now we were in inner city gyms and people were relentless with not the making fun of, but at the asking questions. You know, everybody wanted a ticket. Everyone, everyone wanted had a business idea. When I was fourteen or fifteen, that was really hard to hear. Um, you know, like the I remember one of my coaches like wanted. This sounds insane, but one of my AAU coaches wanted to know if I could set him up potentially to be a Sonics assistant. I didn't even know how to handle that. I was so confused. I went home. My dad was like, "I'm not going to say his name." He was like, "That guy." hell no you know like oh my gosh oh i thought i thought somebody hit you up like can i get one you have to have like a card where i get like, oh that's starbucks no doug that's i'm sure close it is there a card no that that's 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 a, that's a given come on you have you have auto reload on your starbucks app there no i don't i don't and i'm gonna tell you why um <laughs> that that's a given the starbucks the starbucks thing is a given and when you go yeah. can i go into the store with you so i can get free stuff you know, can I, can I get a free card? That's a given. No, I have my dad. I would, I would ask my dad this as a, as a kid, but that's when I was younger, like nine, 10. And he would say, it's a public company. Everyone has to pay. And the most important person to pay is me arguably, because that's what everyone sees. And it sets the wrong precedent, especially for the employees and the customers. So, you know, th- I, I never, that, that was less of a big deal. That was already like hit home for me. So it was, but I was used to people asking about Starbucks. The, the kicker was the Sonic stuff. And by the time I was a sophomore, you know, starting and having some success, it was like anytime we'd go play any other high school, I would hear the the chants. Frappuccino when I was at the free throw line. Uh, Tully's, is, <laughs> Tully's is better. Uh, a little Latte was a big one. Little Latte. Uh, so I, I think I just, it was a lot to handle. Uh, I definitely leaned on my parents. I did not have a big group of friends, and that was that was helpful. But yeah, I hate to say it was tough because I recognize the um, how fortunate I was. Okay, um, what what was the decision like in terms of college? Where to go? Where to play? You know, yeah. do you go? Do you stay home and you know walk on a UW? You that go, was, you play D three. That's what I want. And he wouldn't let you? Well, here's what happened. Or somebody- our AAU team, we had Brandon Roy and Martel Webster in our program. Yep. So I grew up playing yep. with those guys. You know, Marvin Williams, Terrence Williams, all these great players. You know all these guys. Um, and what happened was, um, I'll never forget, We, my senior year, our school had never been downstate. And I had the best game of my life. And we went and I, I took us downstate. And I had a tape of the game. The best game of your life is how many points? My high, my high total in high school was 42 my junior year. But 
uh, on eleven threes. So I took a lot of three. I was I was a three. I wasn't very athletic. I was yeah. No. I was ahead of my time with. I've seen with video. The I've seen video. You can really sh- you shoot the shit out. Just of it. shooting smart. Yeah, come on, coach's son. High IQ. Yeah, yeah, high motor. All that shit. He really knows. The is game. it well? We got to be honest. Is there a gym at the house? About there was a we had a basketball hoop outside right on the lake, and there was a there was lights. I would shoot there every night. Yeah, every night. Every night I would go out there. What 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 lake? Uh, lake Washington. We were we were okay. like two miles away from Husky Stadium. So I grew up right by UW. I was a huge Husky fan, which brings me to what I was saying. Brandon going to UW. Martell had committed to UW. I really wanted to play there. You know, I didn't really. I knew I wasn't going to get a scholarship, but I thought Romar when he saw this tape, and I remember he told us, uh, "You you could you could come walk on, but I promise you, you'll never play." And that really hurt me. I was like, I can't do that. And so what I did was um, I probably had about 15 schools that I was talking to anywhere from low major D1 to D2 all the way down to D3. And I took some visits. I went up to Western Washington, you know, which won the D2 national title. Um, I was definitely interested in all these, you know, mid-level schools. Ultimately, I was like, I'm going to go play at Willamette. D3, great coach. It's a perfect fit. We go there to do the summer camp going into my freshman year. And I say, I can't, I can't go to school in Salem, Oregon. I had like a meltdown. I come back. I tell my parents, they're like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I, I got to start contacting these coaches, but there are no spots left. This is like August. This is like this time. And so finally we reached out to Seattle. You, you know, Joe Calero. Mm-hmm. He didn't like me very much. They didn't, they weren't like recruiting me. Why didn't he like you? I just think he didn't. I think he had some preconceived notions, and also he didn't like unathletic shooting guards. <laughs> so, but he was like, "Listen, why don't you come in?" And I know who you are. He did not recruit me. He said, "I know who you are. Why don't you come in and have an open run with the guys?" I played really well in the summer for like a couple weeks, and they said, "Guys said you fit right in. You could be an invited walk on." So that's what I did. I went to Seattle U, redshirted, um, and then. After my second year, I realized you know I wasn't ever going to play a whole lot here, and so then I transferred to Occidental, another D three, and uh, and went there in LA. I think also I wasn't ready to leave Seattle for whatever reason, but the, by the time my junior year came around, I really was ready to leave. I like I think I needed that extra year or two of a safety net of being close to home because the campus was seven sure. minutes from my house, and then eventually I left. Yeah, and did you live at home? No, I lived in the dorms my freshman year, my sophomore year. I lived in an apartment, but I mean, I was home once or twice a week, so it was very. It was. It was not the kind of college experience. And you dub probably would have been like that too, it's for better or worse. So you go to Occidental, and now it's a completely different experience, right? Yeah. That even even if a couple of guys know a little bit about you, nobody. The knows. fact is, you're, nobody yeah. knows, right? It's L.A. Nobody knows. Nobody gives yeah. a shit, right? Like that was good for you, me. You come now, but but but. But I'm guessing there was probably some times where you kind of missed some of that, right? That I mean, M- miss people and knowing, and like it's freeing. It's freeing at first because you can kind of create a whole new person, a whole new life. On the other hand, it's not the worst thing in the world when everybody knows you and and kind of knows you in the basketball scene. The basket, I, I didn't, I didn't miss not, I didn't miss being known as Howard's son. I was really over that. I missed that great Seattle organic basketball scene. Because it was incredible. That was the real explosion of Seattle basketball. You know, it was right on the heels of Jamal making it. You had Nate Nate and um, Brandon. You had just so many great players. And we all played at this small grammar, C, grammar school gym in Seattle, you know, five, six days a week. We played there every single day together. There were drills, threes, fives, ones. I played with Brandon every day. And I missed that. Because I, once I got to LA, that was all evaporated. And on top of that, my best friend was well on his way to becoming a dominant D3 player. He ended up playing in Europe. So he was having all the success, and I wasn't having success. And I also thought that by going from Seattle U, which is now Division One, and then was basically going to Division One, who's Division Two, yeah. I thought by going to D3, I would just dominate. And that didn't happen. So it was a big wake-up call for me. What was what was the conversation like when your dad told you he was selling the Sonics? Oh, that that was that wasn't just one conversation, Doug, because it was 
it was a lot in the works and it all happened right as I was transferring to Occidental. So it was like my right. junior year, a lot, that was a lot going on. Uh, basically they had, for those who don't know, almost from the get go, they tried to get a new arena because key arena was owned by the city. They wanted a similar deal kind of was what the Seahawks and Mariners had. The city didn't want to pay and he knew it wasn't sustainable to stay in key arena. And I think also why, why didn't they want to pay? Because, because they, they had already paid the money for the Mariners had? and Seahawks. And they thought, you know, this is another billionaire. He can pay for his own arena. Right. Also, key arena is nice. It's really nice, but it, it wasn't, it was built right before the mega suite arena. It was, so it's really small, 17,000. didn't really have big suites. So it was, it was losing, they were losing a lot of money. And he also dug to be totally candid, the NBA lifestyle, at least at that point, had really worn on him. The reason he bought the Sonics was twofold. One, he loves sports. He loves basketball. But secondly, and I would argue more importantly, he wanted to turn the Sonics into that Starbucks type of atmosphere where everybody is equally valued and, and everyone has a voice and, and he, he can never get there. Um, he could just never get there with the, with the, with the team, with the, with the league. But, but, but because... But there, there are still people to this day who blame oh, him for losing the team. Never stop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I got so used to that. I mean, I don't think I've ever said this. So this is some breaking news. Um, I didn't even want to say it, but I actually had I had security with me in Seattle during that because I think it was my sophomore year of of, of college. I had security with me because we were getting death threats and people were yelling at me because people knew who I was. So I couldn't really go anywhere without people saying stuff to me. So not only did they, but then once he had to get security for my sister and me and she was in high school, it was, it was really, it was, it was a tough time because, um, and everyone I knew was coming after him. So like by default, they were coming after me trying to get to him. Um, but I know people blame him. They'll never stop blaming him. And, uh, he's apologized saying he should have been more patient. You know, the truth is he, uh, when he sold it to Clay, when he sold it to Clay Bennett, they had been told that they were going to try to keep the team in Seattle. It came out through emails, and there was an investigation and almost a federal lawsuit that they weren't. And they had no, they had no, no desire. They did. It, they, it, yeah. and I, I think, in retrospect, my dad would have tried more, but I think he was a combination of he was really frustrated with not getting support from the council, city council, and also I think he was so frustrated with the state of the, of the, of the league and the fact that the team wasn't performing the way it wanted. No, you, people forget that that was kind of a dark era, <laughs> bad area for the in, in the NBA, yeah. right? It was a dark era in the NBA. That was during the time when you had the, the Nets Spurs, the lowest rated finals ever. Yeah. That was when they had the Institute, the dress code so, because yep. it had gotten out of control. It was post Jordan era. And it was, it was, it was a di- like people don't, it's like football. In LA. I grew up, era. But, yeah. Right. And I grew up, in uh, in Orange County in Southern California, and the Rams and the Raiders left. And people were like, man, two teams left. Like, nobody cared. Like, the NFL was different then. The NBA then, post-Jordan, was different. With Jordan, it was the biggest league. After Jordan, it, it fell apart. So it's it's really interesting. Okay, so you go to Occidental. But you did have a really good career. When did it turn? When did it change? I, I, I had really good games. I don't know if my career was sustained. Uh, Who was your coach? Brian Newhall, he's still there. <laughs> he also didn't like me very much. You know what he would say? He'd say, if you put half as much effort into your defense as you're shooting, you could be All-American. <laughs> no, he never said all Probably. Um, yes. I had, I, I think what happened was um, I, once I got there, I got out of that Seattle. Once I got comfortable enough in LA, um, I got in better shape. I, I started paying attention more, all that stuff. Um, and started becoming a somewhat important part of the team. We were nationally ranked in the, at the D3 level, you know, top 15. And we went to the tournament a couple of years. And so I never started, but there were games that I had big games. I think one, my, I think one game I went, I had like a seven of eight for three game. Uh, we played University of San Diego the year they beat UConn the tournament. I had an awesome game, made a ton of threes. So, you know, for me, it was always, it really was down to was I making shots and what kind of shape was I in so that I could at least be adequate defensively. But I, again, I, I never felt this is, this is unfortunate. And I think everybody wants this. I never felt like I had the buy-in from my college coach. I know you've talked a lot about coach Sutton 
what he meant to you in the program. I never had that, you know. But I, I, I would also tell you, and and candidly, like, you know, for me, I, I think he 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 bought into he knew what I could do, whatever. I'm sure he was frustrated with my shooting. Yeah, you didn't shoot as was. Yeah. I. Uh, well, it's because I didn't make it right, and so you're just like, and and he would take me out if I missed. So the easy not shoot. the easy deal is like. I just don't shoot, yeah. and he can't take me out, yeah. right? If I stay in, then we're, we're better than if I come out. Everyone loves to play with a point guard who doesn't shoot. Totally. Uh, but it does get to a point, though, where guys get frustrated. Yeah. Where they're like, yo, you got to shoot the ball. And I'm like, you got to talk to the old man, because if I shoot the ball and I miss, I'm coming out. And I, I know that, and I feel that. So I do – like, I just wish I was able to articulate to him. Yeah. Because we did have a good relationship. Just sit down and be like, listen – I'm going to take three spots and that's all I'm going to work on. And if I take those shots, I miss you leave me in. I take other shots, take me out. And, and had I done that and established, I can make these for you. But you didn't. And, and, and uh, I would have, I would have played more minutes. And I think we would have had even more success than we had. You get done playing. Now what, what's the plan? When I got done, I graduated a year late because I had redshirted my freshman year be totally honest, like academics, uh, you know, Oxdale's a really good school. I always say like it was it was really hard, <laughs> so I, I took my time. Um, when I graduated, my girlfriend who ended up marrying. What'd you do during that year when you're not playing? Uh that that because there was another year, year, right? You, you you went to you went to school after your eligibility no, had expired. No, actually, my eligibility had expired, but I had decided okay. I wasn't going to play a fifth year. Because I was just so frustrated at that point, and I never felt like okay. So, so you, but you did go I, to school and not. I went to school. It. I actually got super fat. I blew up. I stopped working out. Uh, put on a lot of weight. What's super? What's super fat for you? It, it's so bad. I'm. I got up to the fattest, the heaviest I ever was. I've never said this. This is another first. I was two seventy one. Holy yeah. shit! How tall are you? Under six three. Yeah. Yeah. Really big. Okay. So, really big. so like, no, you're doing, everybody goes to that, that you're missing that's a like team and somebody on, to drive I put you. on like 50, 60 pounds. That's a lot. That's a lot, of, of that's a lot of, that's a lot of, what was your biggest vice? What was the worst thing? I'm not a, I'm not a big like drinker, what? but well, there's lots of oh, sweet. There's uh, ice cream, you know, there's donuts, you know, there's candy. What killed me was pink berry. I love ice cream. Yeah, of course. What were your What were your toppings? Oh, uh, the kiwi, the strawberry, the yogurt chips. And I'm so sick. I would. There was a pink berry in Pasadena where I was living. I would go. This is my. I would go to get Thai food, which is also bad for you. And then I would go to the pink berry, and I would get a large to go and a large to eat as I was there. Jesus. Yeah, sick, sick. I'm an ice cream fanatic. I can put on weight really fast because I can eat so much. You got a fat gene. Huh? I, I you got really, that Darren Williams. I, thing. I, I whatever yeah. you want to call it. I, you know, like when old when a running back, you see them thirty years later, and you're like, "What happened? It's all belly." That's what I was. Yeah. So I could hide it, but but you're like twenty two. Yeah. The time? Think about that. Yeah. Okay. So so you so you graduate. I graduated. You still, you're still heavy. That year was yeah. I just like messed around. I didn't. I didn't. Okay. But I but so, I was so doing what, internships really competitively. I was at foxsports.com. I did an internship with the LA Times. So those were huge internships for me. Uh, I stayed in LA for, for the summer. Um, and so when I did that, and then what? that, it really cemented, further cemented that I wanted to be in sports media and then I could, I could do it. And so when I graduated, my girlfriend who I ended up marrying said to me, uh, I'm going to, I want to go to New York city. And I, I, like, or I'm going to New York City. And I was like, I want to go back to Seattle or maybe stay in LA. And she was like, I'm, I think you should try it for sports media. And, and regardless, I'm going. I hope you come. So I wasn't, I wasn't going to let, I wasn't going to be long distance with her because I, I was really in love with her. And I also knew that she was right with the sports media element. I knew that was the best place for me, New York City. So I followed her. Um, so you followed her to New York City. Uh, what was your what was your first gig there? I worked at a company called uh, U-Star, which was uh, <laughs> it was like a video game system where you could superimpose yourself into old movies and reenact them. It was kind of cool. It was cool, but they really had cool, uh, one one problem was uh, 
when the New York Times tech guy reviewed it, I think there was like a really big bug in the system and it like broke his computer and the company went and just expl- imploded. <laughs> so I so, I so 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 wait, so you're two seventy two. Did you start losing weight? Yeah, right I then? started to lose weight. Yeah, I, I I started to get down to you know two fifty five, two forty five. I got I got you know all the way down to you know two two twenty and right now I'm probably two twenty five. So I got down. You kicked the Pinkberry. Is, is Pinkberry forever, or is it like a once a month? I do a. I do. No, I do it's, a now it's not run. Pinkberry. Now it's just like one of the many New York ice creameries, and I don't just order. I order like six pints, and it's like the one. I I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. So, so I'm gonna get you McConnell's. Oh, ice I love cream. McConnell's. Oh, Santa Barbara, baby. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I know all about. I said. I said. I said something nice about them on on uh, the dan patrick show and i got like 10 pints of oh, ice cream. man it's great ice cream great ice cream i just to show you like you know you can get that shipped and i'm an ice cream connoisseur so i discovered them and like i don't know every three months i'll get like a, a six pints from them shipped graters graters ice cream or mcconnell's I'll, I'll ice cream go mcconnell's because yeah. graters is a little heavier but I love graders i love that black raspberry fudge <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's that's like their signature yeah. one that's yeah, really good Really well, what happened, okay, so- what happened was basically um, once, once, once that com- while I was doing the U Start thing, I was simultaneously working, uh, not getting paid, but I was writing a blog called Ten Feet High for a website that, and I grew it to like I don't know fifty thousand subscribers or something. It, it did really well, and it got named Best Sports Blogs of 2010 because I was writing it while I was also working for this other company. Whenever I had time, I would just write. And eventually that led to an opportunity at Fan House. Remember them? Uh, as a, as mm-hmm. a copy editor. And I did a lot of those like late graveyard shifts. But it was a year of that, learning how to edit stories, how to put them on a site. And then a year after that, HuffPost brought me in to be their sports columnist. And that was my so-called you know, first break to really write uh, stories. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Now, when you're working for HuffPost, do they tell you, like, is there a, you have to, you have to take a left-leaning lant to every story? Like, is there, is there any sort of pressure to it? Um, they tell you without telling you. The, in other words, it's like, 
um, you know, you you sit in with meetings with Ariane on the big, you know, media, big media discussions, and there be all kinds of discussions about everything but sports, which also made me realize how insignificant sports was to them. But you know, women's rights, female empowerment, um, you know, everything that everything left that you could possibly imagine, um, voting, LGBTQ, it was. It, it dominated the discussions. Don't forget plus plus. plus don't yeah. forget plus. Latin X, yes. which doesn't didn't exist then, but everything possible we we hit on, and and it it was really interesting for me to learn about that, even though I wasn't writing about it. But I had never had that kind of perspective. Um, it was also the first real news corporation I was in. Uh, that was they were a monster. This is ten, you know. But but I I think it's I think it's interesting though that like one of the things I struggle with. And I, again, I, I'm not putting words in your mouth or things, thoughts in your brain, but I, I struggle with the, it's like two different worlds. It's in that world of politics, you know, there's race and politics and religion, and it can be very divisive. Whereas, you know, you grew up in Seattle and, you know, like Brandon Roy's one of your best friends. You're going like race doesn't really. Not in sports. And especially, and especially West Coast, like yeah. it's still a little bit in the South, maybe a little bit in the Northeast at times, whatever. But in sports and in Seattle and and the West Coast, it doesn't feel like it's at or, or to me, it was never a thing. It just wasn't. Um, yeah. What was that like for you? I think um, sports is an unbelievable conquer of racism. It 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 provides a true even playing field where skin color, sexual orientation, none of it matters. If you can play, you can play if you're a good teammate. And I ate that up. That was crucial to my development. And, you know, I remember like, like after our AU practices, like, you know, giving Brandon or Martella right home and, and dropping them off at their place and seeing the dichotomy between where I was growing up and where they grew up. And then, you know, I'd had them over the house and, you know, for me, it was normal to live there. And for them, you know, at the, I remember when they first came over, it was like so different. And seeing the, how they reacted, that was really important for me because it, it made me appreciate that much more what I was experiencing. So with basketball, yeah, I think you're right, especially, yeah, the West Coast. I mean, basketball in Seattle is so important and significant that and you have you have like the godfathers that have really brought it along you see the you see jamal's pro-am the, the crossover i mean it's, it's massive yeah. now and so i was at the real beginning of that you know when like jamal and aaron brooks and all those were stucky they were all coming up and so i i was so invested in it that i think it really did help me um emotionally the the, the racism that i experienced or that i saw wasn't in seattle growing up it was it wasn't in la it's it's been in pockets in new york city um, certainly, and, and it feels weird to say that because it's a melting plot, but there's so many people and there's, it's, I've seen it in New York more than any other place. Hmm. Um, I think also, you, Doug, you, you, I think also just going to say, you know, the, the whole, the, the whole idea that I came from where I came from and like, you that you're not going to be spoiled or entitled. I, I, I've, I've just, I've, I've realized that's impossible because I, I, I've always, parents were always like, don't be spoiled. Don't be entitled. Don't be that little rich kid. You don't want to be that. But I, there's just certain things that I do and say that I catch myself, but I see like, that's a byproduct of how I was raised. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably always going to have that. And I'm, I'm realistic. Sure. But you're always also going to be judged by that as well yeah right? people assume uh, and people assume a negative stereotype even if it doesn't actually exist yeah i mean right? so there's that, that's that's when when i and i i say how i was raised i meant really how i were the way manner in which i grew up but my when i went when i met my wife when i met my girlfriend her dad didn't want to meet me because he he just assumed that you know what he assumed right. and we become really close subsequently but and he's apologized, but that's happened a lot. And that's why I said I'm so engaged with, with what people are perceiving. And I will go 
I will do things that nobody else will do. I feel like and when I, when I, when I meet with somebody for the first time, or I need to make an impression that's so positive in my mind, because I know what they want to think. I know where they want to go. You, you've done a really remarkable job in sports media of having connections in multiple sports, right? Like we all start in basketball. Like, and look, I've done national radio for 20 years and I've done a TV, TV show, my own other TV shows, whatever you're still, and I don't think it's necessarily a negative stereotype, but you still get kind of typecast as you're a basketball guy. Right. But you've done a really impressive job of creating alliances and connections in all sports, the, the things that you break, the stories that, you know, the depth that you provide, how do you, how have you been able to do that? I really appreciate that. It means a lot. Um, and I, I think you were on ESPN when I was in college. What, what, what year were you on ESPN? 2010? Oh, three. Oh, yeah. three. Uh, I started it. there. Oh, two. Yeah. Oh, three to 2012. Yeah. I was going to say 2010. Well, I was in high school when you were on ESPN. So I was watching you not to, not to date you, Douglas. No, that's okay. I, I mean, I, it's, it's really, it's a weird, it's been a very interesting existence. Yeah. You know, but I, I remember you were definitely one of the guys that, I was like, I, I, I want to do that. You know, the Eisen's, Scott's, Kenny Maines, Patrick's. The, you know, I watched ESPN religiously. So to answer your question, um, I was so desperate and hungry to be successful in this space that when I first jumped into it, and I love sports so much, that when I first jumped into it, I decided I'm going to do everything, especially basketball and football, but I'm not going to, not going to pigeonhole myself. I'm going to just do all the sports and because I can do it because I love all sports and, and nobody knows sports like me. Everyone thinks. And within that, I started developing relationships over time with different people in different leagues across different sports. And I think um, as I've grown in the space, especially over the last several years here, is that I really want to do it through the lens of the athlete. Because that's how I always identified myself. And I think also one thing that I haven't talked about a lot publicly, but is important for me is that when we had the Sonics, I saw firsthand the way the Seattle media would just hammer guys, um, oftentimes unwarranted. And it, it, I, I hated it. And I, cause I, I knew a lot of the guy I was friendly with all, with all of them. And at one, at one point in college, I was working out with them. So I was around it and I saw what they put into it to get to try and have success in that league and what it was, how mentally draining, uh, physically, emotionally, what it did to their families. So when I saw the way media would ruthlessly go after guys, I, I just decided that's how I was never going to be. I was do the opposite. I was going to pump guys up. I was going to try to present through the lens of the athlete, what's under the helmet or What's that person going through? And so I think that's really helped me having a clear cut mission. And then over the last year, finally making the decision after so many conversations with different executives and even family of you cannot do, as my parents would say, you can't dance at everyone's wedding. Pick one thing. So I've really picked the NFL, ironically, to be an insider in that sport while still providing basketball commentary, maybe some reporting and using those relationships to help advance the story. But Knowing that I'm going to really focus on the NFL, I think has been really helpful. For me. Well, what I what I it, realized it, it, why, was why the NFL? Why was that the, the NFL? Is even though I'm a basketball guy through and through, and that's my favorite sport. Football, the NFL, really is the true 365 sport in terms of media interest. All the the way that the league has marketed events, the combine, the Senior Bowl, the draft, everything about it. It just the calendar goes nonstop. And I think also I realize if I'm going to break stories, just the numbers game of it is much more, much more um, opportunistic in the NFL because there's so many more players. You have your active 53, your practice squad guys in the NBA. It's like 12 guys. And there's so many more agents in the NFL. There's more, there's more executives. There's just more opportunity. Just more. There's just more. There's just more. There's just more. I, I, I totally get. Here's the other part that, that you should think about using or because people will use against you while you're a basketball guy. Like, OK, but if you look at the people in the news breaking space, yeah, right, 
they're not athletes at all. They're just reporters. So having an athletic background actually is, is you can relate and understand more of the athletes. You can relate and understand more with the agents. But like, I'll just say, like, I got to do a, a TV game for Fox, uh, the Bears versus the Dolphins a couple years ago. And I'll never forget, I, 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 walk, in, yeah. uh, I walk into a meeting and Dave Ragone comes out. And he was the quarterback's coach with the Bears. Okay, And I remember Dave Ragone from playing at Louisville. He played in the NFL, obviously. And all he wanted to talk about was Louisville hoops. <laughs> That's it. Right? He's like, I'll tell you everything you want to know about Trubisky, but you got to tell me everything about oh, Louisville hoops. hoops. Right? And so we sat and talked for like an hour. And literally every person I've, I've met in the County. NFL, you know, I live – in uh in orange county close to the right real close to the chargers right basically in between the rams and the and the chargers uh do camp and the chargers until they move to el segundo this is where they they operate their headquarters out of costa mesa and every time i walk into their building or go to their practice one of the assistants or one of the players comes up and they want to they want to talk hoops and it's a it's a way in to their world by letting you, by talking. No, about that's kind a, of, I'll just, let you, me just add, I do want to ask you a that's been thing really important for me. Guys one. feel it. They know it. And yeah. I think because I think also taking it a step further beyond just the sports is that I, because I was able, because I grew up the way I did, there's a, I think there's a sophistication to it being in the room as being in the same room as like world leaders and pop stars and mega athletes made me so much more comfortable as a young man to now be in this position to see the athlete as a human being first and not be intimidated. I think that's been really important as well. Yeah. The, the lack of intimidation is a, is a, is a huge, huge element to it. And it also brings the level of sophistication that you're not just going to put out there any message they want out there. You know, there has to be, Hey, the, you know, I, I, I can't be used it in this thing. It's a two-way street, um, are, like everything. It's, it's it's a genuine. It has to be a genuine relationship. You you are close. I know on some level to the Nets Durant situation. Yeah. How did that happen? How did they? How how, how did that happen? Where they're not, they're gonna at least for now stay together? Well, I think everyone within the Nets organization, number one, was really disappointed with how things ended with James Harden. You know he. The, when the Nets got him, I remember talking to to them, to players, and they were like, the thing and being like, there's only one ball. How, how is this going to work? And guys, I remember talking to CJ, him saying, James is just a hooper. He'll figure it out. And for a long time, they, he did. But him not being in good shape, not showing up, that war on that team. So you had that. And then number two, Kyrie not getting a vaccination – whether or not you whether you agree with him or not is immaterial. But well, he got hurt. He got hurt when they're beat, yeah. they're beating the Bucks. He gets hurt, right? Then he doesn't get vaccine. And the, the the part to it that I've been told, which is a real thing, is like they they never had the group together in training camp, right? So you, you can't have a system yeah. if you don't have time to put in the system. And with a coach who, even though his basketball knowledge is superior, his coaching knowledge is is nascent. So I think Steve became. The puppet's not the right word. I've heard that, but he became very easily moved around, and it became clear that that he was just there to make sure everything ran w- as well as it could. But when so when Kyrie gets hurt, doesn't get vaxxed, he's not there. He's not even in the building. Then he's playing at home. He's not traveling. That wore down that team as well. And I think ultimately, you know, Kevin. Th- th- I think what people don't understand about Kevin Durant, maybe they do now. You, you tell me. Is is just how much he cares and how sensitive he is. He's a, a really. I think Ke- I'm biased, but I think Kevin's a great guy. But he but he's sensitive, in a, in a good way. He cares what people are saying clearly, and he he sees everything. He's so he's really shrewd and smart with how he he listens and he 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 sees and hears everything. So when you see him clapping back on social, that's him genuinely caring. I think ultimately. When James gets traded, they had this hope of we can salvage this thing with Ben Simmons. But from what I was told from from the Nets was that Simmons, between the back and, and some of the emotional stuff, he was just never there. It was never going to happen. So there was so much negative energy in that whole operation 
that's where you saw Kevin this summer saying, I want to be somewhere else. And candidly, I think it's now come out. But I remember at the time, Rich Kleinman said, telling me, you know, I, I, I've been clear with him. I want I'd prefer if he stayed in Brooklyn. And, you know, this is his decision. This is the impasse. But I think ultimately this was always the most likely scenario. And I think it's the best scenario in terms of, you know, being trying to be successful ne- next year if they're both healthy. Will Kyrie be in Brooklyn next year? I, I, yeah, I, I think he will be. Because here's, you know, I, I, I've been critical of Sean Marks, full disclosure. I don't know if you have a relationship with him. I've been critical of him for not really having a culture. Kyrie. But they had the culture before they brought these two guys in. That was the whole thing. Before they, brought, was they, had, they had a culture, huh? Before they brought Kyrie and KD Dick. and Kyrie in, right? Yeah. They had a great culture. <sighs> how do you build a culture when the point guard is not there? And I, how do you build a culture when the point guard says, we don't really need a head coach? How do you build a culture oh, when the point guard when the point guard comes in? And look, I think Kyrie's an incredible talent. But he was the one who said, like, basically half these guys won't be here when we're any good anyway. Like it's 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 impossible to build a culture like that. Uh, yeah, I was critical of the move when they fired Kenny. Uh, I didn't get that and like it at all. I I I understood why they hired Steve, but to me, they need and need they needed and need a head coach who has real head coaching experience, experience and can say yeah. no to Kevin or no to Kyrie. But ultimately, fifty fifty. If you're asking me right now, I I believe that Kyrie will be there next year. The net the next. The Nets know that if Kyrie and Kevin are both right, they they it's so hard not to see what that elevator could be because they could be super. Yeah, that, that that was that, that was my statement on my yeah. last pod, which which was which is like, look, anybody who says that you know what it looks like, you're lying because no one never knows. Never had never had training camp with all three stars there, ever, you know. And so, give it a legit chance to see what it looks like, and then if it doesn't work. You break them apart. Yeah, right? I mean, they, you go back to the Milwaukee series where Harden's basically all playing on one leg. They almost beat the Bucks. Obviously, Kevin's foot on the three-point line, whatever. Milwaukee wins it. I mean, how much different is this conversation if they end up winning the title that year? If Kyrie doesn't get hurt. It's a, it's a, it's a different, it's yeah. a different play. All right, here's what we're gonna do. This is part one. Okay. Well, anytime in the next couple of days, we'll figure out part two. Okay. I want to get into how, how does U Dub basketball get fixed. Ooh. Okay. I yeah. want to get into okay. I want to get we'll have we got to have a a Brandon Roy what could he have been kind of discussion. Great, and great. then we got to figure out um, this bringing everybody wants to bring a team back to Seattle. What does that actually look like? Uh, yeah, I mean these are all three of them could be their own pod. So I am all in, bro. All right, I cannot believe you were, you shared that you were two seventy two when you were in college. Uh, I think it was two seventy one point five actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what the worst part is? The body fat percentage was like, I, I want to say it was like 30, 31. Damn, dude. Just let yourself go. But then you yeah, got it back. You, you know what my, you know what my dad said? I'll never forget. Are we still recording? Yeah. My dad said, I came home for like Christmas or spring break and he hadn't seen me because I wasn't playing games. You know, they would come when I was at Occidental, they'd come to seven, five, six, seven games a year. So they hadn't come. And, um, I came home and, and I walked in the door and I, he, he did a double take and he was like, are you trying to play backup fullback for the Huskies? <laughs> and when my dad gave me that shit and then my mom was like, I agree. I knew I had a problem. So that was, that, that was actually when I started to, to lose. All right. Fair enough. Thank you for, thank you for yeah. all this stuff, disclosing okay. all this stuff that will forever be used. Yeah, exactly. Good. In, in the court of, of public. Go opinion. Mariners. Go, go Maris. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do part two soon. Thanks for joining me. All right, bro. Wow, that was a great part one. Uh, part two, we'll get to when, the, when and how the Sonics will come back, Jordan versus LeBron, and uh, the difference in breaking news in the NBA and breaking news in the NFL. Reminder, the Doug Gottlieb Show is 12 to 3 Pacific Coast time, 3 to 6 Eastern on Fox Sports Radio, foxsportsradio.com, the iHeartRadio app, and I believe SiriusXM, although they screwed around with the channels and we'll tell you when they get it all figured out. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Bet365, 
1-800-919-3365. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.